As you guys know, it is groundbreaking Sunday. This was... Uh, is Pastor Larry in the room? Pastor Larry is back here. 29 years ago, we had a vision for a community park to be part of this whole complex. And today, we are breaking ground to complete that vision. Can we give Pastor Larry a hand? It's going to be a special day. The mayor, uh, Gene Hernandez of Yorba Linda, is joining us in the second service to also be a part of this celebration. I read on the website that he has this mission of serving the community through hands-on community volunteerism and world humanitarian travel. Canyon Hills has a similar vision. We always are a part of our community trying to reach out beyond this place to connect people together with passionate serving as well as a passion for Jesus Christ. So we are excited about this day and what is happening in this day. Will you take a moment and pull out your phones for a second? I know it's weird in church, right? What we want you to do is every week, but especially this week, is at some point in this service, snap a photo of something that you see, write a little report, and put it on your favorite social media site. This way, we want your friends asking you about the church, saying, hey, that looks like an amazing church you go to. Can I come? That, that, that's the exact conversation that will happen if you post a picture and put it on one of your social media sites. So I want to encourage you at some point throughout today to do that. And while your phones are out, you can also use your phone in your giving today. There are six ways to give here at the church. We try and make it as convenient as possible, one of them being text straight from your phone into giving. You can also use the app, the website. There is a little basket of pens and offering envelopes on the edge of your seat. In fact, if you're sitting on the edge, will you pass those down to your row? And one other way that we have in giving is we're going to be having in the lobby a box to which at any point in the service, you can go out there and have a personal moment of worship with God and give your giving because we do believe it's an act of worship. So if you ever need to, you just want to take a moment with God, you can go out there and give your offering by putting it in that box. Um, as the ushers are coming forward, we do believe that giving is an act of serving and love and faith. It's one of the ways we say is it's 90% and God is going to be so much stronger than trying to do this life 100% by yourself. It takes trust, faith, and being a living sacrifice as we experience the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. But when you give to the local church, you're also giving to this, this community that spends every day working to reach and enrich people's lives. Uh, last week, we talked about what was happening in Mexico with the 25 guys that went down there to serve in Juarez. This week, it's this groundbreaking for a new park to reach our community. In two weeks, it's going to be Long Beach and going over there and feeding the homeless. You can watch those things, you can clap for those things, or you can be involved in them every single week through your weekly giving. You're part of a community that is serving and loving when you're giving on a weekly basis. So I want to encourage you this morning to join us in this act of faith and this act of worship through giving. Let's pray. God, we come before you and we thank you for what you're doing at this place. We thank you for the vision of Pastor Larry. 29 years of being faithful, 29 years of serving, and now seeing this come to fruition. And it comes to fruition because of faithful people on a weekly basis continuing to worship you and trust you 
knowing that with you they are stronger, and showing an act of worship through this giving time, Lord. I just thank you for it. I pray you would multiply it many times over, and the next 29 years we see you do even greater things than this. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. As the ushers are passing the offering plates, I have this distinguished honor to introduce the next speaker. It truly is my honor. This is Pastor Matthew Cork, and he's the superintendent of the Friends denomination, as well as the pastor of the Friends Church, the like mega church up on the hill with like 10,000 members coming. He has a huge list of titles and accomplishments, but I also know him as a friend. I hung out with him at Country, uh, let me say this right, Chicken and Waffles in Birmingham, Alabama. I hung out with him in Pratt, Kansas, having milkshakes at midnight from Sonic. Um, what I can say about him as a friend is what you see up here, what he's preaching, what you see in him, and what he's saying is the same person as I see him as I'm hanging out with him watching the college national championship at his house. I can't remember who won, but I think Fresno State was in it. His love for God is genuine, and as he comes up today, he's going to continue our message through the book of Acts. So will you please give him a hand, Pastor Matthew Court. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Good morning. It is um, great to be here with you and to join with you and your church in this series. And if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to take them and turn to Acts chapter 2. If you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be on the screens. Uh, but David was right. He was at my house for the national championship game this year and because uh, my favorite team is the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, but uh, my dad grew up in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. My cousins, my aunts, my uncles, everybody lives in Alabama, and it just became ingrained in me. So since I was a kid, people ask me, why Alabama? I went there for Thanksgiving, went there for Christmas, and my grandpa just brainwashed me. And uh, he gave me bottles of Paul Bear Bryant back in the olden days and newspaper clippings, and they just threw Alabama in my face, and I couldn't not be an Alabama fan. I came back two weeks ago. I went to see Alabama play Missouri with some guys at our church, and we went to the game, and it was awesome. There's nothing like an SEC football game. And in 2010, the Alabama Crimson Tide were playing for the national championship. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to go. My brother at the time lived here, and my son was about 10 years old or so, and, and we didn't buy any tickets. So I said, well, why don't we just drive down to the Rose Bowl? It was at the Rose Bowl. And I said, why don't we get some tickets? And my brother said that would be awesome. So we decided to go down to the Rose Bowl and, and get some tickets. And so my son was just pumped up. Like, he had a chance. And we said, we might not get in. We're not sure, but we're going to go. And so we went, and we were walking down the road to get to Pasadena. If you've ever been to the Rose Bowl, you've got to park a long way away. We decided to walk and not take the shuttle. And the first person that comes up to us says, hey, you need tickets. And I just said, yes, we do. And he pulled out this right here. Does that look official and awesome? I mean, it was in a little bag. There it was right there, the national championship tickets. And I said, how much? And he goes, 300 bucks. And I looked at my brother and we said, that's pretty good. I had saved money. Now for me, that was 600. For him, that was 300. I'm like, all right, I'm capped out, but this is the national championship. So we gave him the money, man, and I put this thing around my neck. And I was walking proud. I was going to the game. So we're getting excited. Nolan's pumped up. We pull up, get up to the Rose Bowl. We walk up, and I take this off my neck, and I put the ticket in, and, and it, it works. And I go through, and I'm standing on the other side of the fence. And then my son comes up, and he's got his ticket, and giant smile on his face. And, and they go to scan it, and it doesn't scan. 
They do it again and doesn't scan. So my brother says, well, let me try my ticket. And they did his ticket. And they scanned it, and it didn't scan. <laughs> and they did it again. It didn't scan. And, and they said, will you two come with me? And they were going to usher them away to go look at their tickets. And I remember my son, it was like I was in jail or he was in jail, one or the other, but he's looking at the fence. And a 10-year-old, he starts to cry. <laughs> yeah, oh, isn't that sad? <laughs> and I said, I don't care about you guys, but I'm in. <laughs> I'll see you later. <laughs> I did say that, but I did come back and say, uh, it's all right, I'm going to wait for you. We'll figure it out. <laughs> and they went in and got some things sorted out. They came back out, and the tickets were fraud. So we found a guy that had all Texas uniform on, and, and, and he had two extra tickets. And I said, hey, dude, I'm going to stand here, but I'm going to wait till you get in with my kids before I give you money. Are you okay with that, with my brother and my son? And they said, that's fine. So we shelled out another $300. Um, so my brother was in six. I was in nine. Okay, I'm capped. I'm done. Nolan comes in. We get in the game. It's awesome. Nolan and I sat together because my brother traded tickets and said, why don't you sit with your son and I'll go sit in the other seat. And so we're hanging out and I text him when the, when the, the fighters fly over and the national anthem's going, I'm like, this is awesome, isn't it? And I don't hear from him for a while. <laughs> and then I looked down at my text during the first quarter and he said these words, I wouldn't know. I got kicked out. My ticket was a fraud as well. I just happened somehow to get in. My brother was not a very smart person because somebody came up to his seat and said, I have the same ticket. And he said, well, let's go talk to the usher, <laughs> which I would have just left and walked around because he now got kicked out because when they found the fraudulent ticket, he couldn't stay anymore. And at halftime, we go and he's on the outside of the bars and me and my son are the inside. And we got him a fat burger from fat burger and we slid it through. My brother sat literally on the back of a truck with eight or ten Hispanic men, and he watched the football game on the outside while me and my son sat in the national championship and watched Alabama crush Texas. It was unbelievable. And we came out, and there were two different dispositions going on. <laughs> Michael was not very happy, and he said, you can't tell this story ever. <clears throat> He was a pastor at the time. He's given me permission now. But I've thought about that story a lot because my brother was on the outside looking in. And there's nothing that he wanted more than to be on the inside. He wanted to be a part of the game. He wanted to be there. He wanted to experience it. But he sat on the back of a truck. And he listened to the roars of the crowd. And he listened as me and my son told him on the way home how awesome it was. <laughs> I don't know about you, but as I look around, the church has changed. I've been wondering why fewer and fewer people are identifying themselves as followers of Jesus Christ. Why is the church closing more, day, uh, more doors today than opening new ones? And I've asked myself as a pastor, why, why have we seemingly lost our voice and our influence and the power that the God of the universe has given us as his church? If you look at Acts, uh, the environment in which the, the church blossomed and grew in the first century, it was more hostile than anything we are facing today. And the crazy thing is, when the church first got going, they had nothing going for them, except one thing. And because of that one thing, they were able to grow in power and influence, and their voice is still echoing through the world today. And Scripture says that the church was the most powerful thing, and people were amazed and astonished when they came upon these group of people. 
And the question is, do we believe that that God that empowered the church over 2,000 years ago is the same God that empowers the church today? Do we believe that he actually wants to use ordinary people like you and me to do extraordinary things for his kingdom? I'm not sure. I know he can't. But do we believe he wants to use us? See, you serve a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever imagine. In fact, the fact that he chooses you should be beyond understanding. The fact that he chooses me. Because I know who I am and I know who I'm not. And I don't have much to offer unless God shows up. And I don't have much to give unless my gifts are empowered by him. And so as we continue the series in Acts, and we're in Acts chapter 2, I, I just want to remind you today, as we talk about the power of the Spirit, and you talked about the Holy Spirit last week, and it really ties right into where we are in chapter 2. It says, here's what I want you to understand, that the unique power of the Holy Spirit empowers the unique work of God in you. The unique power of the Holy Spirit empowers the unique work of God in you. These disciples had been hanging out with Jesus. They were a small-minded people, which really leads to small-minded thinking. The issue was they didn't serve a small-minded God. And God's promises always exceed our expectations. God wasn't ready to right now in this moment, like they thought, restore Israel. He wasn't ready just to come and, and impact one little kingdom. No, he was coming to reign he would not be the king of one nation, but the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he would reign over all nations. And one day, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ was Lord. And these disciples thought he was coming to restore Israel. And he said, you small-minded people, you don't understand. And in Acts chapter 1, just for review, verse 7, he said to them, Jesus speaking, it's not for you to know the time or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But listen, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid them from their sight. He says, listen, dates, times, plans, strategies. My dad's got it all figured out. You're not going to know any of that. But you're going to receive something. You're going to receive power. Say that word with me, power. Power just like a nine o'clock service, kind of weak, a little bit sleepy. Say it like you mean it. Power, power. You're going to receive power. I'm not giving you a plan. I'm not giving you three steps as we do as a pastor in a little poem to help you get out of here. I'm giving you something that's going to change the world. Question is, are you going to believe me? Question is, are you going to trust me that I want to use an ordinary person just like you to do extraordinary things? See, you're going to be my witnesses. You say, witnesses to what? You saw me die. You saw me rise from the grave. You now are going to see me ascend into heaven. And you are going to carry that message forth. And as Andy Stanley says, if there is a man who can predict his death and predict his resurrection and actually do it, I want to be on that guy's team. And they saw it with their own eyes. That Jesus Christ died, and he rose again, and now he ascended into heaven. And he says, listen, you're going to receive a part of me inside of you. You might not even be able to grasp it or understand it, but the power of God's going to fall on you. And it is that unique power of the Holy Spirit that empowers the unique work of God in you and in me. I woke up this morning, and I, I went out, and, and I forgot to do something that I normally do. 
I forgot to plug this thing in. Then it was almost dead this morning. Oh, but almost every night I, I, I plug it in and I power up so I can be ready for the next day. And I was reminded what, what Jesus was saying to them was actually the complete opposite. You have to power down so I can power up in you. You have to power down so I can be seen in you because it's not about you. It's about me working in you so then I can do something to change this world through you. And he comes to this next section in Acts chapter 2. And the reason they are able to be a church that's on fire, the reason they're able to be a church that makes a difference in the world is because the power of the living God is in them and they have believed it and they've come together as one church and one body. And in Acts chapter 2 verse 42... It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily. So what does the unique power of the Holy Spirit empower you to do? Well, the first thing is this. He empowers you to see as he sees. He empowers you to see as he sees. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and at the signs. God's Holy Spirit came upon them as they gathered together as they studied the scriptures, as they broke bread, as they prayed, and God began to empower them to see as he sees, not as they would see. There was a brightness that increased their clarity. The Holy Spirit, just for all of us, illuminates God's word for you and me. Paul said it like this in Ephesians 1, 17. I ask the glorious Father and God of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you his spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Spirit will make you wise. I love that. The Spirit will make you wise and help you understand what it means to know God. It's going to make you wise and let you know who God is. The Holy Spirit is the one that makes you wise. Well, what am I saying? Well, what I'm saying is this book is a supernatural book. That every time you read it, and every time you open it up, you have a chance to interact with the creator of the world, but with the author of this book. There's no other book that can give you what this book can give you. That God Almighty has spoken and breathed into it. It says all the word of God, everything in it is God breathed. Think about that. And he comes and he says, I'm going to enlighten you. I'm going to help you and give you wisdom. And I'm going to let you understand. He goes on in Ephesians 1.18. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, illuminated, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. What a great scripture. I pray that the eyes of your heart, what is he talking about? Well, think about it. When you were born physically, you were born with five senses that God gave you, hearing, tasting, touching, smelling, and feeling. Everything you experience in your entire life, as long as you live, you will experience here on earth through the five senses that God has given you. And if you don't have those senses, you don't experience 
part of God's beauty and his glory. But then Rick Warren says it like this. That was physically being born. But he says, you were spiritually born again when you were saved. So for those of you in this room that, that have asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you are now spiritually saved and you're filled with the Spirit of God. And he gives you a second set of senses. You get the spiritual ears to hear something that you've never heard before. And you get spiritual eyes to see. And all of a sudden you're seeing as God would want you to see. And all of a sudden you begin to feel something different that God begins to convict through the power of his spirit and the eyes of your heart are opened up in a different way because spiritually now you have been born again and God says I have come and I am going to empower you with the unique gift of the Holy Spirit that uniquely empowers you and you can't see it unless God opens your eyes and he empowers them to see as God sees and I don't know about you but I would just say this week as you read God's word that you would just say God help me to see as you want me to see Holy Spirit, speak to me so that my eyes will be open to do and to hear what you want me to do. The second thing is he empowers you to give as he gave. He empowers you to give of your time, of your talent, of your treasure, because he gave for you. James tells us, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Actually, do what it says. The beautiful thing about the picture here is they had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And they began to do and live out what Jesus wanted them to do. It was right in front of them, and God began to empower them, and they began to not just hear the words of Jesus, they began to act on the words of Jesus. People were filled with awe. The believers together had all things in common. Well, what were those things? It says they sold their possessions and their property. They met together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they were sincere and grateful for the family of God. Sincere and grateful for the family of God. See, when the power of God comes on you, and those of you who call this place your home, this is the bride of Christ. And there's no greater example to a world that needs the hope of Jesus Christ than when the bride of Christ actually acts like the bride of Christ. And then when people see not just hear you, but they see your good works, just like he was saying in Long Beach and what you're about ready to do in the park and what was birthed inside of Larry and Shirley 29 years ago, that God wanted to do something through Canyon Hills Friends. And many of you, because you're standing here today on this piece of property, you sold possessions. You gave up your money. You invested in the kingdom, and it wasn't for you, it was for him. And guess what? It's going to live on. And it's going to continue to live on. And the beautiful thing about the body of Christ is it has many expressions. I don't get to be with you as part of the family of God every week. But I can only tell you in this season, our church, our family has prayed for you. And we want to support you. And here's what you need to know for me as superintendent and all the, that role that I get to play, but as a pastor that comes alongside another pastor, we believe in you and we're cheering you on and we hope God does uniquely what he could only do through this church. And so I didn't know Larry was going to be here today. And I don't want to embarrass you, but Larry, I want you to come up here for just a second if you would, please. And as I'm here on this unique Sunday, I just really felt that, that 
as I read that line that said all the believers were together and they had everything in common, that they sold possessions, they met together, they broke breads, they were sincere and they were grateful for the family of God. Um, we were grateful for you. And we're grateful that God called you here. And so on behalf of our church, um, this is a check for $25,000 to help you do what you want to do outside. I'm excited for you. Man. <laughs> when the body of Christ comes together, and let me tell you something. When we quit playing church and we actually become the church, we quit worrying about who goes where and who does what and if you guys grow and we grow. Who cares? I don't get credit from transferring sheep from church to church. I get credit when I go to heaven for people who are lost and are found, just like you. So if this is your home, get into it. Believe in it. Match that $25,000. Don't go into any more debt. You don't need any more debt. We're going to help you get out of debt. We're going to get out of debt so we can go do something great for Jesus Christ. You have it. Because somebody shared the hope of Jesus with Larry, and Larry stands here 29 years later, and he believes that the best days for Canyon are still ahead, and I believe it too. And I think what happened in the early church is when the Holy Spirit came upon them, it actually empowered them to do things that people in the world look at and say, are you kidding me? Why would you do that? Why would you sell possessions? Why would you give up your time to go to a church and, and be there like you guys are here? Why would you do that? Because God has done something in you, and he actually wants to do something through you. In Acts 2, verse 39 and 41, after, after Peter had come, remember Peter was the dude that denied Jesus, right? He was the one who said, I don't even know you, and then all of a sudden he's preaching to people, and, and it says it's added, the numbers were just going nuts. People were added to the numbers. That's where I go, I love our God. Because he uses people that not only deny him, but people who are disobedient, people who are normal, people who sin. He uses all of us broken people. And in verse 39, he says this, the promise that I'm giving you is for you and your children and for all who are far off from all whom the Lord our God will call. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that day would have been like? I don't want to be on the outside looking in. I, I, don't, I don't want to stand and, and watch other people be used for God. And I sit on the outside and wonder why I'm not. When the same Holy Spirit lives in them that lives in me. Jesus is just looking for people who would be obedient. That when the Spirit of God speaks, after they invite him in to speak, that when he says something, that you would do it. And that's called faith. And I think in that faith moment, that when you're not on the outside looking in, but you actually get in and become a part of God's church, he begins to do something in you. And then he begins to do something through you. Can you imagine, just imagine if this church right here on this corner 
began to take seriously that you have been empowered by the Spirit of God. To take seriously when Jesus looked at the disciples before he left in Mark, I think it was chapter 14, and he said, hey, um, I'm, I'm going to leave, Jesus said to them. And he said, you're going to need me to leave because when I leave, you're going to do greater things than I ever could do. Uh, the Savior of the world said that to these guys, and they had to be going, what are you talking about? What he was talking about is I'm about ready to, to come and dwell within you. I'm going to leave, but my spirit's going to stay, and it's going to come, and it's going to empower every single one of you. And when it comes over you and upon you, you together corporately could do some amazing things if you uniquely decided that the Holy Spirit actually empowers the unique work of God in you, and that you believe it, and you step out in faith. I was at an event uh, about six months ago, and it was for the seed company, and the seed company is Bible translators, and they're trying to translate the Word of God into all the languages around the world that have never yet heard the Word of God. Their goal is by 2025 that every tribe, every nation will have a, a copy of the Word of God, some portion of Scripture, and they believe that they can do it with Wycliffe and a couple other Bible translators, and they've partnered together, and, and they put all of these on our table. And I thought, oh, great, I got another Bible. That's just what a pastor needs. <laughs> I got like 80 of these things. And, and yet I opened it up, and it was the greatest gift I could have ever given. They could have ever given me because every page was blank. And I thought to myself, there's so many people around the corner that live from you in your neighborhood and on your streets. But the Bible might as well be blank to them because they've never experienced Jesus Christ. And I've thought to myself, God's not done writing Canyon Hill's story. The pages for November of 2018 have not been written yet. Yet you've been empowered by the Spirit of God to continue to write the story of God for this community and this church. And those who don't know Jesus in this post-Christian world that we live in now, the only way maybe they'll come is because of you. And I want to encourage you today that we get to take forth the message and the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I am so glad that the pages of the Bible I received had God's word printed on it. But I'm so glad there was a group of people like you who impacted my life, who took care of me and helped me understand and know who Jesus was. I told our church last week there was this lady by the name of Glenelg Hull. And Glenelg Hull used to rock me in the nursery. And my two brothers were pastors, and then I became a pastor, and Glenn L. Hull rocked all of us. And I told him, you know, when we see serving God in our church as an obligation rather than an opportunity, we miss what God has. Because here's what I know about Glenn L. Later as I grew up, she said, Matthew, I just want you to know as I rocked you, I prayed over you. And I thought to myself, she could have seen her job as just coming in and taking care of a little baby, but she actually saw it as an opportunity that God gave her to impact someone's life. And as a little child, myself, my brother Mark, my brother Michael, all three of us became pastors of a guy who owned a plumbing company and a mom who was a janitor at our church. 
How that happened, I don't know, but I'm going to give Glenn L. Cole a lot of credit. <laughs> what has God called you to do? Because he's uniquely gifted you. And he has empowered you because the same God that changed the world 2,000 years ago is the same God we serve today. I pray this morning that the unique power of the Holy Spirit empowers the unique work of God in you. And I can't wait to see what Canyon Hills does for Jesus Christ. And we are cheering you on. And we are your brothers and sisters. And we can't wait to be a part of that. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? God, this morning, today is your day. It is the day we set aside to honor you, to hear from you, to bless your name and to bless your people. My prayer is, Father, that uh, as this groundbreaking happens and as we celebrate a, a new park and a new area of ministry, God, it's not about the park. It's about the light that's going to shine from this hill. It's about the students and the next generation that, God, are going to hear the good news and the hope of Jesus. It's about, like the psalmist prayed, God, may I perpetuate your name for all generations to come forever and ever. God, may we continue the memory of who God is, but may it not be a memory that fades away. May it be a memory that not only lasts, but may it be memories that we continue to make. God, may we take your word this morning and realize you have called every single one of us. You have empowered all of us. And God, as we sing, as we close, as we worship you, I pray as we go this week, you will empower us to see as you see. You empower us to give as you gave. And you would empower us to love as only you can love. We thank you, Jesus, for this church, your church. And we pray blessings on them in your name. Amen.